The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Howdy, everyone. If you enjoy the show, join our free Discord. Link in the description and chat with the cast. Please leave a review and consider joining our Patreon for behind-the-scenes content and more. Tears start at a dollar, and even that helps us out. To stay up to date with episode releases and more, follow us on Twitter at Riftway Podcast. Good evening, Rifters! This is Rifts and Rules, the 5e D&D podcast where we go through the many 5e books and talk about various rules to enhance your gameplay experience. I'm Remy, Dungeon Master and a player on the Riftwake podcast. I'm Mitch, player on Riftwake and D&D enthusiast. And today's topic is blood magic. So today's going to be a little bit different than usual in that considering how popular the idea of blood magic is just in fiction and mythology, it's really not part of 5th edition D&D. Like, almost not at all. So we're going to be talking a lot more about hypotheticals and homebrew in this episode. This isn't as much in the 5e books. That being said... It's probably because they want to steer away from the satanic rituals. I mean, if anything, it just made them more popular because it was the thing you weren't supposed to do. Yeah, but that, that's the way they can officially be like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Everybody who's saying it's D&D's for Satanists. I mean, they still got warlocks, though, so you're always going to have people who say that crap. Because, I mean, fiendish warlock pact. It's kind of right there in the name. Anyway, uh... Besides the actual D&D side, like, have you ever just come across blood magic just in other things you've read or watched? A lot of books. TV shows. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell me about any uses of it? Like, if there is any parallels? Uh, not having a whole lot of familiarity in D&D. Don't know how much parallels there is, but... No, no, I just mean in other sources of media. Just like, are there uh, any generalities in fiction? Yeah, you like using somebody else's lifeblood to fuel your magic instead of yours or whatever. Yeah, so the absolute most basic form of blood magic, uh, sometimes also called hemomancy, is just the sacrifice of blood as a fuel or substitution or alternate method of casting magic. And exactly what form that might take is something that can be massively variable, which is part of what the fun of the idea is for me personally. As it has come up a lot, I like options. So there's two primary uh, divisions of blood magic in my eyes, at least. Although, again, this isn't something canonical, so this is something that a DM would be encouraged to just make up other uses of their own but anyway my two would be sacrificing your own blood and sacrificing others blood and this is something that just again offers a lot of potential flexibility 
Because in D&D terms, there isn't even one way that you can do anything. So whether you want to incorporate some form of blood magic in your world, is it the kind of thing where it's like a vampire's blood drain, where it's a sacrifice of hit points, and then the hit points can't be regained until a long rest, or can't be regained without a greater restoration, and it's just semi-permanently reduced. That alone can really make it a consequential branch of magic. And I am, to be honest, rather irked that there isn't some form of official rules, like for all of the spooky books and just topics that have come out for 5th edition D&D, the fact that it's mentioned so little, like I said, irks me. But anyway, uh, actually, before I go too much into potential mechanics, let me actually rewind for a moment and talk about a goal. So... What are users of blood magic typically trying to do in other sources of fiction? Uh, half the time, trying to summon something or curse someone. or Absolutely. And yeah, those are fantastic possibilities that, to be honest, aren't in D&D as much as I would like. There are, you know, adventures that do have things getting summoned. But the how-to is left purposefully vague. So blood magic would absolutely be one way that you as a dungeon master can just introduce rules for such into your own world. Whether that is just a consistent system that you could make use of for NPCs, or possibly something that can just exist in your world and potentially be something that your PCs can gain access to themselves. So... Usually, when there is some form of blood magic in fiction, it tends to be a slower process, but it also might allow them to do something that they aren't normally able to do on their own. So the summoning of a you know powerful entity of some sort is beyond the standard magic of D&D. So it requires this longer, more complicated ritual in order to do something like that. So that's something that you could just directly do. Make it something that has a particularly long casting time or something that is explicitly not a spell, but another branch of magic that has different requirements. So this could very well be something that any individual magical effect that you try to do with blood magic has to be you know, figured out or researched or discovered or some form of learning how to do it. So this could be a way so that it's not as useful in direct combat with this method. But on the other hand, it gives more flexibility to magic in general. The fact that it can just allow individuals in the world, again, whether that is NPCs or PCs, to just do other things with magic. Because one of the big pros and cons of D&D 5th edition is the idea that there is the finite number of spells that exist, and that is the magic that player characters are able to cast, and for the most part, you know, the same magic that NPCs might have access to. But by introducing another way to cast magic, 
you are introducing a massive amount of flexibility into your world's magic. Can you think of any pros or cons, though, to doing such a thing? Uh, isn't that shit usually kind of OP? That is definitely a potential problem. I mean, most, most of us DMs are not masters of game balance when it comes to homebrew and figuring out whether something is overpowered for the cost or unfair to the balance of the world yeah that's really hard so with that in mind is that something that you would consider to be a solvable problem or is that something that would make you hesitant to even introduce such a system oh hell yeah i'd use it (laughs) can you tell me why because it's awesome Absolutely. So honestly, as much as I am not a fan of things that do lack logic and reasoning, the idea of blood magic is just so strong with the rule of cool that I myself, of course, tried to come up with a way to quantify such a system, tried to figure out a way to create something that made use of that that is balanced and i can tell you it is possible it's hard as hell and it definitely took more than one revision and definitely took some nerfing when trying to play test it but it can be done and holy shit is it fun when it works and honestly it's really fucking fun when it doesn't work too um i'm pretty sure i have also said in the past about how much i tend to dislike uh, the wild magic table that wild magic sorcerers make use of and that I myself just have a D10,000 table that I much prefer using when there is some form of chaos magic. So having consequences for the potential casting of blood magic is something that can drastically slow down the power creep that might be possible with that. So having there be crazy shit that can happen if you mess up or if the spell gets interrupted or any of the many things that might go wrong, it makes it dangerous to use. And that's not even getting into any of like the legal or moral consequences of such. Like this could very well be a thing in your world that if you use it, It is just a straight death sentence. If you sacrifice a person to use blood magic that, you know, do not pass go, you know, do not collect $200. You are just to be immediately executed once it is proven that or even suspected possibly that you've done such a thing. But that being said, there are always, always going to be people in a world That would still take the chance. Well, that's not going to happen to me. I'm sure that I could get away with it. And one of the other potential benefits to using blood magic may be that it's an option to cast magic even for someone who does not naturally have the ability to cast spells. Because if it is a shaping of magic through sacrifice, then maybe you could even go the step farther that a lot of other forms of fiction use and use, you know, runes and magical ingredients and, you know, ritual chants. So it's almost something like a skill check challenge to actually do the thing 
that requires all successes in order to actually have it succeed you know maybe one failure and you it works but you have a wild magic surge go off and you know two failures and it just doesn't work and might have some kind of reverse effect or just blows up or some other consequence that you know you make use of just for whatever you decide for your system but the idea of you know i want to try to you know let's just go with the basic version you know i want to summon a demon one of the most classic classic uses of you know blood magic in fiction you're trying to summon a demon to do something for you the what doesn't even really matter so you you yourself might just be a wealthy you know smart individual in the D world but you unfortunately just don't have the knack for spell casting of your own but you've got money so you're able to get you know someone to research a spell for you figure out oh okay you know let's say you know the person is a human and they just want to make a deal with a demon in order to get dark vision of their own so that's something that you know there's a lot of ways magically to do that like there are goggles of dark vision that just do that but to get a magical effect to the person maybe the cost is something along the lines of you know to summon the demon you have to sacrifice three beings that have dark vision for the demon to harvest their essence and you know grant the affinity to or ability to have dark vision to yourself so you need to get like thematically appropriate ingredients to do such a thing you need to you know get minions to help sacrifice them all at the same time you know you need to have the people that you're planning to sacrifice like beaten down to the point where one blow can finish them off like there's a lot of potential steps to do it but again, the flexibility involved and the creativity that this might encourage if you were to allow it for PC use, there's honestly a lot of potential benefits just with implementing such a system in my eyes. And, you know, as I vaguely did mention a little while ago, of course, I myself did create a blood magic system and I have implemented this in my world. I have allowed my players access to this. And it's always interesting to see what other people will come up with come up with with such an option. Because again, I myself am a logical thinker, but that is for better and for worse. People who do have more imagination or creativity than I do can very well come up with possibilities that I would never consider that just make me grin and just say, you know look at, at the things they attempt to do with that and see just the influence that such could have and of course anything that they come up with i as the dm can always say yeah you came up with that but that also means that i can steal it to make use of it for other people in my world that have done similar things 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So making use of, you know, playtest data for all intents and purposes for the sake of world building and building on the system itself through your players is very much possible. And, you know, from my perspective, encourage. So having any effect be possible just is so rife with potential for abuse, though. So if you do have a situation where, okay, so wait a minute, you know, Remy, you're saying that someone who's a non-spellcaster might, you know, be able to even get wish somehow if they're able to summon, you know, an archdevil or some such to potentially grant such a thing. And isn't that broken as shit? Yes, yes, it is. But is it something that is interesting and does it allow interesting storytelling and world building and honestly i feel that the balance of all of those factors do come out to the pro side at least for my own interpretation of such so even if you do have you know more devils granting wishes throughout your world again a lot of those might are likely to be of the monkey paw variety you know what a Actually, just out of curiosity, besides wealth, what would you say is one of the most commonly wished for things in fiction? Immortality. Absolutely. And so this is a situation that I actually had come up. You know, there was a wish for immortality. And because I don't like being a dick without cause, like the way I like to do wishes is to just roll a D100, you know, percentile dice to just figure out how much are they going with, like, like how close to what you wish for do you get? And with a modifier just based on, you know, does the person you're making, or the being or entity or item you're making the wish with have, you know, a positive or negative impression of you? So, like, a devil is probably going to try to fuck you over. You know, an Efreet is probably going to try to fuck you over. You know, a god granting a wish for services rendered is almost certainly going to make it in your favor. But a devil granting a wish for immortality, which, again, is probably the most common source. What are some ways that you might fuck with such a wish in an interesting way? Uh, you know, fucking like. You can be immortal, but you still age. Yeah. That would fucking suck. Go the Holy Grail route. Yeah. Well, the, the biggest issue most people or most media seems to portray with like immortality is like, yeah, I'm immortal. I'll live forever. But you still take injuries. Do you want to live forever mm -hmm. if both your legs and hands are cut off? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What if someone... Or if you're buried alive? Yeah, that would be pretty awful. But yeah, the idea of they don't have like indestructibility... So then, yeah, they might just continue aging still forever. They, I mean, hell, what if you just, you know, get to age 90 and get Alzheimer's 
and then still live for another thousand years or more. Like, there's a lot of potential ways to mess around with that. But, you know, in D&D, you also have even more options. So let's say that you actually do get a form of indestructibility with it. So there is a form of immortality that's basically a perfect stasis of self. So in D&D, it would suck, but also be really interesting if you do get perfect immortality, but you can never grow any farther. So you are immortal and invincible, but you are stuck at like level six or whatever you are at the time you get that wish forever. You are never able to gain in power anymore at all. And that is actually the choice that ended up coming up uh, in world for me uh, when such a situation happened. So that person was just never able to gain power. So they were able to accumulate wealth, they could accumulate knowledge, but they could never get any stronger than they were at that t moment when they made that wish. You know, technically, if you're a statue, you're immortal. Mm, maybe. Actually, that'd be an interesting one, too, is just, like, have someone just get turned into a warforge. Like, you will no longer die of old age. You're welcome. I mean, in D&D, &D, there's plenty of things that are unaging. So just having, you know, quote-unquote, just a race change, I mean, that's something real easy, magically speaking. I mean, reincarnate is a canonical druid spell that does have an effect like that. I mean, hell, if you really want to have them be an asshole. Ooh, put, it, put them in a Groundhog's Day loop. Ooh, that would be fucking cool. I mean, they're immortal. Every time they die, they wake up. It's the same day. Mm-hmm. See, my question for that then would be, how does that influence, like, the local multiverse? Like, is that person just stuck in a loop and the rest of the universe moves on? Does the entire, you know, plane that they're on reset each time? Well, I'd imagine it's, it's only the area that he could physically get to within that, you know, 24-hour window. So... Yeah. I'd probably make a pocket Or dimension. actually, if you go with... Yeah, or on second thought, if you go with multiverse theory, like, at the end of the 24-hour period, they just disappear as far as everyone else is concerned. So from their perspective, it's a time loop. But in actual, you know, multiverse, every, every day they relive, or whatever the time period is, happens just in a separate universe. And they're the only thing like they think it's just them but in reality all the terrible things that they do on you know their crazy days it actually does happen in some place that would be interesting actually note to self okay so yeah other things that you could make use of blood magic so i started talking about the slow way like the idea of inventing magical effects that are not spells. And to be honest, that is one of the more interesting ones to me. However, that is not the only possibility. So besides that is something that has existed in previous D&D, &D, 
which is the idea of a character that's able to sacrifice their own hit points in order to use magic or tweak magic. So in 5th edition terms, something like a blood magic sorcerer would be a subclass option that perhaps instead of having any sorcery points, maybe they're able to just cast magic and meta magic using a larger hit point pool. So for example, uh, the draconic sorcerer does get more hit points per level. So there is already, you know, uh, example of this so if you just had instead of one hit point per level maybe instead they have two hit points per level extra and then no spell points and then any use of meta magic or maybe even just spell casting in general might require the sacrifice of hit points and a quick reminder sorcerer's spell points is one per level once they unlock that class feature. So having two hit points per level for the subclass, you know, one more than the Draconic Sorcerer, does actually line up relatively well, mechanically speaking. So even if you did limit it to just metamagic, and then just have an extra metamagic option or two, like maybe you can just sacrifice an additional hit point or a few hit points to add extra damage or to change the spell in some way or ignore resistance or there's a lot of ways that magic can be tweaked that don't exist in existing meta magic so having more flexibility of magic through blood even if it is just your own blood could still be a really fun class to play so just through the tweaking of meta magic and a little bit of extra hit points for the sorcerer, you could have a lot of different types of builds. You can have like a you know melee sorcerer because of the fact that they do have those extra hit points. You can just have you know a glass cannon if they do just choose to stay back and just burn through their hit points just to boost their spellcasting in some way. There's a lot of flexibility with that idea. And that's one that I actually hadn't written down or made myself until I just got the idea while recording this now. So I am going to be doing that as soon as we finish recording, because that sounds fun. So I also talked about the idea of using your own blood or the blood of others to just do magic in some way whether that is magical effects or pre-existing spells so this is also something i think i read about it in some third party 3.5 material years ago unfortunately i don't remember exactly what book it was but the idea was that you could just sacrifice hit points in order to cast magic and this is something that was eligible for any creature that knew how to. So using 5th edition rules, the easiest way that I would say to implement something like that would be to just make a spell that you could just call blood magic and then just leave what it actually does open to interpretation. 
So you could just have it be, okay, yeah, you expend a spell slot, and depending on the spell slot, you're able to sacrifice X amount of hit points to replicate the effect of another spell. So almost like you know a lesser wish, like wish's ability to duplicate other spells, then maybe this is a thing where you cast blood magic and then you sacrifice hit points for yourself or some other creature, and then you just have to make an arcana check perhaps to see if you are successfully able to replicate the other spell. You know, arcana check representing your knowledge and understanding of the ability to shape the resulting magic. Like, that would be real easy to do, mechanically speaking, and honestly wouldn't be too complicated. And the idea of having a lesser wish, you know, ability to replicate spells would be really fucking cool. And if you did just make blood magic, you know, somewhere between fourth and sixth level, depending on, you know, how you want to use such in your world. Like if you've got it as a fourth level spell to start with, then okay. So as a fourth level spell, you're able to sacrifice some amount of hit points and, you know, make a check and potentially cast a, you know, third level or lower spell even if it's not something normally on your spell list. Now, again, same problem that keeps coming up with this, that is potentially broken as hell. So the way that I would choose to balance that is the idea of kind of mimic how a vampire uh, vampire's drain works, where you are only, like, your hit point maximum is reduced based on whatever the amount of hit points was so then you're not able to like regain hit points through uh you know magic or a short rest that you need to take a long rest to get your hit point maximum back so by doing that and especially if you do also just limit a spell like that to only usable using your sacrifice of your own hit points then yeah that would actually balance it out pretty well because you might be able to do some really cool shit, but if your character is only left with 10 hit points for the rest of the day, well, that's a consequence. Maybe it'll be okay, maybe it won't, but it makes for potentially interesting storytelling, which is always one of the goals. In summary, even though there's not a lot of canonical references in 5th edition to blood magic, it really is something with so much potential that I highly recommend for DMs to come up with a system of their own to implement it in some way. Because, like I did say earlier on, there will always be people in the world who want to make use of the power of blood. Thanks for listening to this episode of Riffs and Rules. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash riftwakepodcast. Tiers start as low as a dollar, and even that much really helps us out. Supporters get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, early access to episodes, access to a monthly hangout where you'll be able to chat with the cast, and even input on Riffs and Rules topics. Find us on social media on Twitter at riftwakepodcast, on Facebook as riftwake, and you can send us an email riffsandrules at gmail.com. That's riffsandrules at gmail.com.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.